All right, we're on season two, episode 18, and I got a special guest in the building. This one's a long time coming, though, for real. I've uh, been waiting to get my friend, Vijan uh, Johnson, uh, otherwise known as BJ. Um, he used to play at Marquette. Uh, he's a Milwaukee native, and my man just knows hoops. Like, let's just keep it a stack. My man, <laughs> he just knows. He got that knowledge. And every time I have basketball conversations, or we have heated basketball conversations, it always be with my guy, BJ. B, welcome to the pod, bro. And thanks for having me. Thanks for having me, bro. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Of course, bro. This was uh, kind of a last second thing. Uh, we were trying to link up last week, and things just got a little hectic, but... We were able to make it happen. I'm glad we were able to, bro. Um, well, first off, I wanted to get into, I was talking about it earlier, but just your, your, your hoops journey, just your background, bro. Because when I first moved out to Milwaukee four years ago, which is crazy, it's been four years since I've known you now, bro. That's wild. <laughs> yeah, that's wild. Wow. But um, when I moved out here, the first thing I did was go up to the rec at Marquette's campus. And I'm pretty sure the first time I went up there, you was hooping on the main court. Everybody know. I think it might have been court three or four, whatever three, court that yep, is. Yeah. And I, I just, I just sat back. I just sat back. I was trying to get a feel of what the, what the runs was like. And then <laughs> I just see you out there. This man was shooting from half court, like <laughs> passing it too. Like not just he's not just shooting to shoot it. Like he's hitting it. So I'm like, all right, like. I don't know who that is, but clearly he's the best one up here because I see no one else doing that. And they and you know it's respect when people are letting you do it. Right. <laughs> without yes. not saying nothing. <laughs> so like just tell me your background in hoops, bro. Like even just starting like at a young age, like who put the ball in your hands and all that. Yeah, man. Um I think before I was really walking or really like as a kid, I think I had one of those little Fisher Price hoops. And before I was oh, able, man. but yeah, before I was able to string together my steps, I think my my mom had just gave me that little rubber orange ball, and then I would just try to drop it in there if I could. Um, and then ever since then, like I just like kept up with the game when I was from all the way from preschool, middle school. I would always just love to be around it. All of my brothers played it at the park. I would always try to play with the older kids. Um, and then when I was in middle school, I always played with the grown men at the YMCA. I never mm. played with kids my age. I always wanted to run with the high schoolers and like the college pooper or the college hoopers who would come back. And so from there, I just kept playing. I, I would get to the YMCA in the summer at like 9 a.m. and stay till 10. Like my mom was like, you're going to stay there like 13 hours. I was like, yeah, I'll find something to do. And from that age, man, I just would play every day. Uh, I try to get as many reps as I can. No matter what it was, I would try to find something every summer to work on. And in the high school, I, I got pretty nice. I ain't going to lie. I got <laughs> um, And then I had an opportunity because one of my JV coaches, or the JV coach at the time, he played with D-Wade at Marquette. And he was like, yo, um, Wojo is coming in as the coach. Would you want to go down there and kind of just scout, like look at the practice with me? And possibly see if you could maybe end up on a, as a walk on on the practice team. And then um, that summer, I ended up taking classes, courses, and that's when I was able to be a walk on to kind of practice with the team. Um, but I walked away from it. But I would still, like you say, go to the rec and just try to play like every day. So I don't know. I'm always got basketball around me in some form or fashion. You see the Giannis poster over there. So yeah, he's got the game around me. Right. And that's wild, too, because like kind of a similar thing, like growing up for me, like I was hooping. Now, I wasn't no nine to ten. I don't know. I, my my gyms wasn't open that late. But <laughs> we was doing, um, you know, probably like nine to really like a like a daytime job. It was like a nine to five, especially in middle school. Me and my homie, we would ride our bikes up to the gym, community center next to our house. And we would hoop up there all day long. So I definitely uh can relate to you on that so how was that experience like though at Marquette like just just playing at that time um who was on the team at that time um it was Henry it was Henry Ellison he was my same year 2015 okay. uh Drake's, Drake's cousin Hanif was on the team at the time um 
Tracy Carter. Uh, I think he was out of Philly. A lot of this was like um, a little bit of not older, but just around 2015. So mm. I was the program was going through a little bit of a rebuild. I think this might have been Wojo's second or third year. Um, but Jawan Johnson, who I still get to play with to this day, he's he was on the team. Um, so it was some of those guys. But man, I would say like the intensity though. I think that's what was that's what separated it though. Like, because you got to realize everybody's trying to get minutes. Everybody's right. hungry, and everybody's also trying to prove something too. Like, okay, you did it at the high school level. When you get to college, like it's different. And one thing about Wojo is like, there's no excuse. So like, if you commit a turnover, down and back. Or especially if you're a walking or a practice player, oh, it's even worse. So it was a lot of pressure. But honestly, like that, that's the best environment to be in. Is just like that competitive um hard nose culture that's what marquette is now too i think shock has revitalized it um a lot for sure for sure now in, in high school what was what was your game like in high school was it similar to how i seen you when i met you at the rec or has your game changed uh throughout the years uh it definitely changed i would say when when you had first met me so i had came off acl surgery the year before mm. So I used to actually be like a slasher kind of. I would just drive to the cup a lot more. I would say that's like, scary, bro. You right? with like more speed and more. Oh more my speed. god! Yeah, like I honestly <laughs> like in high school, I would have like plays drawn up for me to catch alley oops or whatnot, just because that's the kind of bounce I had. Obviously, Ooh. I had surgery though, so I kind of had to. I still like had that bounce, but I wanted to mold my game a little bit and be more um, cautious. So I kind of molded it into like a kind of like a Dame Lillard uh a Devin Booker type just smooth and try to get to different spots but not like go at anyone's pace um but I think the Dame Lillard comparison one because when you saw me like you said pull up from half court um I think it's just the rhythm and the flick of the wrist like if you got that kind of range it feels like you're not even shooting that far especially mm-hmm. like you said defense is like they sagging off like okay you know I shoot it from here regularly so he's gonna let me open um but I think the Dame Lillard slash just I try to stretch the court as much as I can and then also molding my game into to be a little bit more of a facilitator I think that's when I started to realize like I love getting guys involved and when I play with you I always tell you whether you make it or miss it I want you to shoot it that's kind of my mindset is like mm-hmm. I love getting people involved too like I can get my shot but I'd rather help others to get involved in the game so I think it changed a lot too as I kind of like matured and got older yeah, no, I, I could definitely see that. I never knew that you was catching oops, though. <laughs> I never knew that. Yeah. I never seen that guy. Probably I haven't seen that tapes. guy. Right, that's wild. <laughs> and, I mean, that's that, but that's what happens with age and injuries, too. Like, you know, I, I had a pretty tough injury in high school that I, uh, you know, eventually came back from. Uh, came back, honestly, for me, I wasn't dunking like that in high school or nothing like that. But after my surgery, when I hit college, that's when I was, like, that's when I was catching things off the backboard type of stuff you know so it was it like but that was it's just interesting how like injuries can change for certain players like some players it may like regress them to like they have to change their game to just be more of a shooter where the Mm -hmm. others is like all right now I'm trying to get to the rim and put you on a poster type of thing like (laughs) and it's weird it's weird how that works out but um I guess with, with that being said, I also wanted to learn about you when you was playing at Marquette. Like, how did the game, did it did it slow down for you? I know you said it's a lot more intense in college. It, mm-hmm. it, I'm assuming it's a lot more physical. Like, how did you uh, deal with the transition from hooping in high school to now hooping at a D1, like, college in Marquette, especially in the Big East? Yeah, so, I mean, especially in those practices, um, you got to realize people I'm, I'm about like five eleven, maybe mm. scratching six feet on a good day. But I think that everyone's got a little bit more athleticism at this level. Guys are guys have been probably like physically developed since like middle school. So you got wings. Then in case of with Henry Ellison, this is a like six eleven dude who's coming down the court, handling the ball, initiating offense, but also going to the post, which was like kind of scary um so really you you gotta adjust and then the game doesn't really slow down I would say I think 
um, you just read it a little bit differently, right? Like stuff you would get away with at the earlier level. Now somebody's going to recover and beat that off the glass. Um, <laughs> too late making a pass, you try to make it, it's going in the other direction. So I think it just forces you to use your mind a little bit more. Like you used to be able to beat guys off the dribble, no problem. Now you got defenders who no hand check and no nothing. They like slide and they feed and they can stay with you. So it really forces you to kind of, and you really got to play angles um, just because of like one, the, the court shrinks when guys are that big, right? You got guys who are six, four and up kind of defending you and they, they cover the court so well. So you really got to play angles the correct way to make an entry pass to the post. Um, you know, if you cut and cut with purpose, cause guys like they read everything and Wojo is so meticulous with detail. He's like, if you're not practicing with purpose, then, and you get in the game, you think Villanova going to fall for that? You think right. is going to fall for that. So it's really just like you play the game with purpose and you try to like read the angles and be a little bit more methodic in your approach. Cause I'm sure you can speak to this too. Like when you were younger, you can get away with a lot of stuff and it'd be fine. Right. You could recover right. easier. You can get your shot off anytime you want it. But then when you're going against those guys, it's like, damn, like I need to really step back. So it's really stepping back and just trying to read the game a little more. Yeah. I think um, the only experience I truly had with playing but outside of, like, just random runs against, like, D1 guys, like you said earlier, that would just come back home or something like that. The only experience I had with that and playing at the college level is playing at Wichita State where I would have kind of, like, the Black Ops runs that they would have at nighttime. Them dudes okay. would go in at, like, 11 o'clock at night, open up the gym, and they would only invite, like, one or two people that's outside the team. I got lucky because my former teammate at the time he ended up going to Wichita State, so he was like, hey, like, he bounced for me. He was like, my boy can play, whatever. And, like, when I was out there, like you said, like, I had to think more. Like, because yep. for me, like, I in high school, like, I was more of a of – a, uh, just really a jump shooter, and, and which was wild because before even high school, I was a slasher. So then my game had to change in my senior year to be more of a shooter. Uh, but when I was out there for with those D1 guys, I'm like – Bro, I'm really just like a, a, a Ray Allen stay in right. the corner, wait for the ball to come to me. Yeah. And if I miss it, I ain't getting the ball back because I don't play for I don't play with them. So it was like an extra pressure where I had to just make sure I wasn't messing up their runs, not trying to get no one injured, not trying to, you know, right. just, yeah, just play within the system. But that that's wild, man. I mean, so with that being said, too, you you grew up a basketball fan. Uh, I know you're a big, you, you know, you're from Milwaukee, so I know you're a Giannis guy. Uh, I definitely know you're a Kobe guy, but mm-hmm. Bron's like your guy. Yes, or sir. maybe Kobe is. I don't know. Is is, is it who, who is your favorite between the two, like all time, LeBron or Kobe? Um, I think LeBron is probably my favorite. Kobe okay. is right there, though. I love Kobe's mentality. That's why I rock with Kobe. So right. Mentality. But as a player, I got to go Bron. Okay. Okay. What what drew you to him? Like, or what what around? Like, what age were you around when you started like really following him? Um, I say like probably when I was eight or nine. So this might have been his second or third year in the league. Mm-hmm. And at this time, like I was watching the game, and I really only noticed like guys who could score super duper athletic. But then when LeBron burst on the scene, I kind of saw that not only was he probably the most physically gifted player, but I think you could kind of see his basketball IQ like really early on. And this is a dude who since high school was like, he loved to just get people involved. And I think like, that's what drew me to his game was like, it wasn't one dimensional. Cause some guys, if you stop them from scoring, they're not giving you nothing else. They're not trying to to defend, not trying to, you know, facilitate. But I think what LeBron was like, it was kind of like he was scoring like out of necessity, but he was rather, he would rather pass and I kind of noticed that from a young age, like guys who otherwise like T-Mac, Vince Carter, these guys, elite scoring ability, like could do anything at will. But if you slow them down, I noticed like the box score looked a little bit different at the end of the night for them. Well, LeBron, I was like, man, this dude got like 18, seven and eight is halftime. And I think <laughs> the way he kind of saw the game was like, that's what drew me to him. Cause I was like, dude, he is like so multifaceted as a player that that's how I think that's just how you should play the game. Like he just played the right way in my mind. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think for me, like 
LeBron, he I haven't became like a super fan of his until the later years. Like I had to really come to appreciate him. You right. obviously did at an earlier earlier age. Like for me, D Wade was my guy. Like D Wade around that same time, um, you know, his third year in, he was when he won a championship. Mm-hmm. So I got very lucky with like I just remember my family huddled around the TV watching him. And I was just like, dang, like, I want to play like that. Like, he playing fast. Like, he dunking shit. He shooting threes. He doing – like, he was doing everything at the time. And But to your point, though, D-Wade wasn't a facilitator yet. Mm -hmm. You know, at that point, he was still flash. He was still able to get by on just his ability, his his speed, his athleticism, being able to jump higher than everybody. Um, But that was how I was like, oh, like, when I'm really at that point, I want to play like that. Right. you, You get older and then you realize, not everybody can do that. <laughs> I'm already built like that. <laughs> no, I was definitely never built like that. I'm built like I mean, that. like college, I, I, I got, like I said, I got a little more athletic, but it was never no D-Wade type. Yeah. It wasn't no, you know, one leg bounce type like that. Something. I always wish I could dunk off one foot, though. I was always a two foot. Uh, dunk. Were you a two foot or one foot dunker? I was one foot, man. I couldn't jump what? off. Two. I couldn't jump off two for a really long time. I had the, our our strength and conditioning coach in high school. Uh, she used to make me do the track workouts because she would always, like, joke about, oh, yeah, you can't throw nothing that, like, Vajon has to jump off two feet for. Mm. But man, I couldn't. My left leg was, like, that was my strongest leg to jump off of. So you Got the bionic left leg, like, Brian. Yeah, man. That two foot, I don't know what it is about two. I don't know if it's the gather or just, like, is that a natural jumper's, like, uh, stance? But I couldn't get it. I couldn't mm. get it. See, I was always jealous of the guys like yourself that could dunk off one, bro. Like, I always wanted to be able to do it. Cause I, I mean, we all see Brian being able to just go through the lane and just, like, I always thought it looked, it just looked cleaner. It looked, it, yeah. it just looked cooler to be. <laughs> but, like, two foot, man, I really watched Russ, like, for real. Yeah. So, Russ is one of, he does both, but when he does the like two, two foot. Him and D Rose. Him D and D Rose, too. Two yep. feet. You you shouldn't be under the rim if no. you see too. Yeah, and those those were definitely two guys. I was like, all right, like if I dunk, I want mine to look violent like that. Like yeah. you know, Russ Russ had the violence behind his dunk. D Wade, <laughs> D Wade had True. some nice two foot. He had the spin move two foot on Perkins at one time. Yeah, like, D Wade had he was super bounce off too. He could do either one though, because that's D Wade. Right, right. I mean, <laughs> shoot, all them pro dudes, man, they can do really whatever they want out there. Man, speaking of D Wade, real quick, man, shout out to my guy going to the Hall of Fame this weekend, man. Because uh, that's just, I can't believe it, bro. I can't believe one. It just makes me feel old because I'm like, I'm yeah. really about to watch my favorite player go to the oh, Hall of man. Fame, bro. Yeah, like. That's- Easy. We watched him win every championship. I watched, like, we watched him win all three of his championships. Like, literally watched his whole career. Yeah. Like, his whole basketball Old career. enough to remember, like, even when you were younger, like, from 03 to now, basically. Like, yes. I don't remember. It's, it's crazy. It's crazy. So, just shout out to him, man. He gave me all the memories in the world as my favorite player. Still is my favorite player of all time. And he deserves all the flowers he's about to get. So, I'm going to be parked on Saturday. <laughs> watching that whole thing. Shout out Dirk too. Every, that whole class, but Dirk too, especially. Oh, yeah. It's only yeah. right they get inducted together, though. Those Dallas Heat finals, it's only right. Yeah. Yeah. I, you don't realize it until, like, I mean, they played, they, they did, had two finals against each other. And, like, yeah. I didn't really sit back and think about it. I was like, oh, dang, they really did play against each other twice. Like, and they both got the best of each other. Yeah. yeah. Against each other. That's dope. Yeah, so it's fire. And then, like, I remember the All-Star game when they were both they both retired the same t- same year, yep. and then they got put on the All-Star game together. Like, that was crazy. Mm-hmm. Although people were kind of salty about that, but. <laughs> let, them, let them live, bro. Right. <laughs> let them live. Man. But also, wanted to, to plug in, um, you know, your guys' podcast as well, uh, The Dagger. You guys started, I think we – you guys started a year before we did. We started 2021. You guys were 2020, right? Yep. 2020. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I remember when you guys came on the scene and now you guys are over a hundred episodes in, which is crazy. Um, that's crazy, bro. <laughs> yeah, that's crazy, man. 
Yeah, like how did how did the dagger get started? Honestly, like I I'm friends with all you guys and and uh, so shout out uh, uh, Dion and Taylor as well. But yeah, like a little like tell me a little bit how the, how you guys got started with the dagger. Yeah, man. So like you said, we started in 2020. So you know, around that time, nobody was really like out and about doing much. We were all pretty much confined to our homes. So Dion. Um, he had reached out to me about possibly doing a podcast. He was already doing a soccer podcast, but Dion wasn't really like feeling it like that. He was always, he's putting out content for it, but he's like, you know what? Like we love basketball. I know a guy in law school, uh, Taylor TC, he loves basketball. Um, why don't we try to just start a podcast? So we did a zoom meeting one night, TC and I met each other. We kind of talked about what it would look like. Um, and then from there, we just kind of started rolling, but it was really random. Like, hey, you, are you free on Mondays to record Talk Hoops? I was like, I'll talk hoops damn near any day. So just let right. me know. And that's kind of how it got started, man, was we was just sitting around. Like, during those 2020 times, like, you couldn't really do much else. So it was like, hey, let's just talk hoops. Like, and then that's when it turned to, like, this could be a podcast. And we've been rolling ever since, man. Bro, I bet. I, I wasn't tuned in at that time. Mm-hmm. Um I just didn't know about it. However, when the bubble happened, I'm sure the episodes were probably oh. fire. Yeah, dude. Dame was going crazy. Um, Jamal Murray. Jamal Murray. Donovan Mitchell, like video game <laughs> numbers. The Suns was turned into kind of their modern day Suns. Yeah. Um, yeah, dude. It was it was good basketball in the bubble because it brought me back to those AAU days, kind of, where like you just in the gym hooping and yeah. like crowd there really it's just y'all going back and forth so um yeah dude that was 2020 days it was nothing you had to lock in on the game honestly oh aau for real same hotel y'all in the resort together disney resort worldwide just hooping you had to wake up at at 10 or whatever get to practice or like it was yeah that looked like a good time at least from the outside looking at brown even though brown was like no that was horrible the worst experience ever who was it that came? Was it Jokic that was like, man, it was no, it was Steve Adams. He was like, man, it wasn't that bad in there. Oh man. yeah, everybody was like, it was the worst <laughs> thing. Some dudes were like, honestly, like we got meals every day. We just played basketball. <laughs> and we was in our hotels playing video games. Like it ain't that much different from what we do now. Bro, Steve Adams was like, we are literally staying at Disney. <laughs> it was like we're fine. Upset. <laughs> but no, I mean, even uh, sticking with Bron, kind of. Um, little transition here Ronnie uh you know he had that cardiac arrest the other week and really put the whole world it feels like at a standstill when that happened because just the gravity of it being LeBron's son I mean what were your initial thoughts when when you read that that article of uh the cardiac arrest uh first off I was just like you hate to do it, but you're like, damn, like, not again, because we just saw DeMar Hamlin go through mm-hmm. it, kind of um, a sudden scenario. But I was honestly just kind of, like, shocked because Bronny is, like, an elite athlete, super young, just playing, just getting into college. So you would think, like, someone else would experience this besides Bronny. But, I mean, from all the research and all the reports, like, it could happen to the like healthiest human being. It's just like the, whatever the electrical stuff, I don't know the science behind it, but it could happen to anybody. Um, I think two years ago, it happened to a guy at Florida, a player at Florida, Keontae Johnson, same thing. Mm-hmm. happened to him. And I guess like it's more common than we think, but the first thing I thought was, man, like this just happened with DeMar Hamlin and you know, how scary that is. So I can only yeah. imagine how LeBron was feeling like knowing that's his son. Yeah, yeah, and it was kind of the same for me too. But it's even crazier now because, like, we—I we, mean, he's gone off the grid. We haven't yeah, seen haven't or heard, heard of him seen. since. Um, like you know, LeBron obviously like spoke on it a little bit. You could tell, you know, as they should, they're trying to be private about this matter. Uh, I think it's crazy the reports that have come out though. Like since, like, you know, people are talking about like his medical records and like. Like, people know too much. Yeah. <laughs> like, dang, like, relax. Like, at the same, like, they weren't, people are telling, they tell you to respect the privacy and people are doing the complete opposite. Oh, they're like, no, we ain't got time for that. <laughs> like, right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I just thought that was wild. But, yeah, definitely uh, prayers up to Bronny. You know, I'm glad that he's doing better from the sounds of it, from what Bron was saying. And uh, hopefully we see him out in the court because, man, yeah. 
USC is supposed to be like, I mean, they're supposed to be prime time this year. Supposed to be nice. They got Dennis Rodman's son on there. Mm-hmm. Uh, some other some other players. Well, I'm not sure. I don't know the whole roster, but I know they got a pretty high recruiting class. So yeah, hopefully they make a full recovery so we can see like what they really look like. Yeah, and, I mean, selfishly, I want to see Bronny on the court just because now we're finally going to be able. Even though his high school games are on ESPN all the time, right. but it's different in college. Yeah, like now you're in the college basketball scene where it's going to be lit. And, um, you know, night games, I'm sure we're going to see USC versus UCLA and all this stuff. Like, yeah, so I'm hoping he get out there and so he can get drafted. Absolutely. You know, potentially, potentially. So, (laughs) but, uh, true, let's uh, transition to the NBA, man. That's what we here for. Let's get into some NBA talk. Uh, We got Jalen Brown has now the wealthiest NBA contract extension in history. Um, what <laughs> I I've received a lot of texts about this one. I don't know if you did as well. A lot yeah, of people were hitting did. me, being like, "Why the hell would Jalen Brown get this contract? Why would uh-huh. they offer him all this money?" And I was like, "Timing and opportunity, right? Like- <laughs> Timing <laughs> and situation. And That's all. And age, and age for sure." So, yeah. like, I mean, what what were your thoughts on you seeing this this news hit? I mean, we saw it coming. I mean, to your point, like, I think it's always – the NBA market is relative. It always changes. Like, a couple years ago, I think Dame signed the longest extension. And then we thought Jalen Brunson was overpaid. But I think people fail to realize sometimes, like, the NBA market don't stay in one place for a long time. So – Anthony Davis just signed his extension. Now he has a, the largest annual deal per year. So it always changes. And another thing, too, is like contract negotiations in this day and age, they're not really, if you're one of those guys, it's not really a negotiation. It's basically like, did you make all NBA or did you not? Were you one right. of the best 15 players last year or were you not? And Jalen Brown was second team all NBA and he that qualifies him for the Supermax. So either Boston, like risk losing him and having him not sign for anything and he risks not being on the contract and potentially getting injured or they offer him the deal that's on the table and he qualified for a super duper max so i'm like both sides it makes sense to sign it um and i just think that if, if boston what else are you doing are you trying to trade him you you put him in trade talks every year but this is a guy who is 26 i believe and 26 mm-hmm. 26-year-old two-way wings, those don't grow on trees. So, like, you got him and JT. It only makes sense for you to sign it because the market's going to keep changing. So, people got to pump the brakes a little bit on that. Yeah, no, you took the words right out of my mouth. I mean, it it changes every season. And that's why my response was just so simple. It was just timing and situation. Like, every year, the timing piece is because the NBA market, like you said, changes every season. It's not even, like, every two or every five, it literally changes every (laughs) summer because the salary cap rises every year. So, like, you know, someone asked me, like, why wouldn't they give that to Jason Tatum? I'm like, one, he's not eligible yet. However, when he is, it's going to be – it's going to surpass that. That's stupid. (laughs) He's going to get over 300 mil. Now, let's be clear. Jason Tatum is going to be next in this – I mean, didn't they just have a report the other day that Jimmy Butler's eligible for an extension even higher than that? Yeah, like TV money. That TV money about to re up. So all this yep. this money is out there. Like, come on now. Yep. Yeah, and the CBA they just got those new uh, rules in place. Which again, like NBA nerds like you and I, like we understand the significance of the CBA, and we kind of <laughs> just because that's the first place you look to when you see major changes like this happen. When you see these big contracts happen. You're just like, okay, let's go to the CBA and see why that happened. You know, like, what did they just put in place? Because now that we have this new CBA, I mean, the money's just going to get scarier. It's yeah. just going to get scarier. To we're getting, we're in baseball. I, literally, <laughs> it's we to baseball. <laughs> it's, it's getting <laughs> scary out here, bro. I mean, we're going to get to a point where someone's going to sign a $500 million contract. Oh, yeah. And that's yeah. going to probably happen in the next four or five years. Yeah, it, the way the league is going right now and these TV deals, and I could just see, like, somebody – you Shea Gilgis might sign something like that. Luca, like, one of these younger guys definitely are about to hit the jackpot on something we've never seen before. 
Right. Even Trey Young. I mean, he's all he's all uh, well. The thing with Trey is tough because he has to continue to produce for real. Like he because he's an undersized guard for NBA standards. And if his numbers drop off even a little bit, like it's going to get scary. Like, I, I, I don't know. I hear you know, like especially with Trey position, like you got to think the NBA is so deep with guards right now too. Like Donovan, Dame, Steph, they they still on top of that game. Shea's another one. Scoot is going to be coming up. So the guard, the guard depth right now is heavy. So like you said, Trey has to produce to even cat like fall into that category because I'm sure the Hawks would be like, hey, we could find another guy potentially. So who knows? Okay, random question. Because I just thought of this talking about with Shea. We're really talking about Trey Young, just how like shorty is. I brought this up to somebody the other day, and they couldn't really think of any. But can you name uh, more than one top ten player that's under six six? More than one? Yeah, because I think hmm. I think it's just Steph. Yeah, and then like after in today's that, game or today, like yeah, hey. top ten players today. Steph is the only player in that top ten, I believe, that's under six six. If you want to shimmy in Dane, you yeah. can, because I I think Dane's top ten, but I think that, yeah. it would be like in the nine ten range, right? Yeah, like he'd be kind of on the outskirts, but I yeah, I think Steph. It's probably the only one I could think of. Um, some people still got love for Kyrie. I don't think he's top mm. 10 anymore, but I think Steph is the only guy like under damn near under even six, seven in the top 10 right now. Just oh. The league is going that, that, and that's what I'm saying. Like the league, my whole point with Trey Young is like, dude, if he don't produce, like the league is trending to the point where we thought big men were going to be extinct, it's becoming the opposite. Yeah, the guards. Like the guards are becoming extinct. <laughs> and now we're just about to have flex bigs. We're gonna have Giannis's all over the court. Everywhere. Chet, Victor. Like we it's it's about to get to that point. I know there's more dudes like that on the way. Bull Bull is another one. Like we got some unicorns all over the place, man. Legit monsters, like on the team. <laughs> like Christos Porzingis is just an another He's dude. A normal now. guy now. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, this man, the unicorn, bro, just a few <laughs> years ago. Just a you horse are... now. <laughs> I'm weak. Now, let's keep it rolling, man. Um, uh, right now, I'll say I'll save the Dame conversation for last because that's good. Okay, that's yeah, good I want to hear you on that one. Yeah, yeah. Miami guy. I want to hear <laughs> you. <laughs> yeah, man. It, uh, well, also, I didn't even bring up the, the amount of Jalen Brown's contract. Uh, oh, so yeah. he he signed a five year, three hundred and three point seven million dollars supermax extension. For those that didn't know, so yeah, that's why everyone was kind of freaking out and being like, "That's a lot." I mean, because that is a lot of bread for a dude that can't dribble with his left hand. Yeah, <laughs> I tried. Hey, I tried to debate nice you one. on that. I tried to debate you on that. That was gentle, but yeah. <laughs> Well, it, it took my team to for me to realize that I didn't really pay. I didn't pick up to it until I didn't pick up on it until they played us. The Warriors put me on last year, but I thought that was a fluke. But yeah, I, the way Miami Garden they was like, just make him go left, and then he gonna give it right to you. So, oh my goodness, yeah, it got it got embarrassing for a little. But uh, let me get off of Jalen Brown, man. Shout out to him for the contract, but. <laughs> Uh, ESPN is doing a, they did a lot of layoffs in the last month, got rid of a lot of our favorites. Um, you know, I believe is Jay Williams, Jay Williams still there. He's still there. He does. Oh, okay, ESPN okay. Radio. okay. Okay. So they, but they got rid of Keyshawn, Keyshawn, uh, Max Kellerman. Kellerman. Yeah. That was a big, that was, yeah, that's tough. Taylor Rose. He was good on the NBA countdown. Like I liked them on there, so now they're they restructuring everything. Mark Jackson's now gone. Um, Jeff Van Gundy, th- th- those two alone, <laughs> bro. Comedy, comedy, and knowledge, <laughs> bro. And I, I don't understand the the reasoning behind those two guys going because that was your NBA TV 
now it was reported that Doc Rivers <laughs> is joining that telecast with yeah. his raspy jazz voice. Yeah. Not even <laughs> jazz. It's like it's just like, man. like yeah. chalkboard kind of just. Mm. Bruh. And then you got Doris Burke, which I'm not mad at. She Burke however, is cool. Burke however, is cool. she ain't Jeff Van Gundy. <laughs> You're not. No offense to her. Yeah. Like, like I, I, I don't I actually like I'm one of the few people that don't mind when she's on the telecast. Cause when I was looking at the comments, and it's also probably a woman thing and people just being Yeah, you know, just being dumb. But like for real. I didn't mind her telecast at all, but not to replace those guys. No, <laughs> especially Van Gundy. Bro, that man is pure comedy. Just making up rules on the spot. Just <laughs> every every game. <laughs> but yeah, no, I, I, I don't know. I didn't really have many like questions about it. I just wanted to get just yeah. like, initial thoughts when you seen really Doc Rivers get this position over Mark Jackson. I to me, I just feel like Doc is just taking a break from coaching. I feel like that's what this is. And if you think about it, Mark Jackson and both Van Gundy were ex NBA head coaches. So they have the experience. So now you just have another ex NBA head coach and Doc. So I feel like the NBA or ESPN was trying to still rekindle that insight. Um but I think like Mark Jackson and Van Gundy are two of the guys who are old school NBA too. So they kind of bridge the gap for the younger viewers, take you inside of how things used to look probably 20, 25 years ago. Um, and I, I agree with you. Like, I think Doris Burke does a really good job. I think she has just as much basketball knowledge as anybody. But when you're talking about Van Gundy and Mark Jackson being replaced, I think you're taking away, like, one, people forget – Mark Jackson was one of the best like playmakers of all time. Like I think he's like top five in assist all time. One of the best pure point guards. So you taking away that kind of um, insight on the game. Um, Jeff Van Gundy coached some of the like most entertaining Knicks teams, I think. Um, so I really just wonder what's the logic behind getting rid of such like dynamic people who have like that experience. I get it. Doc has a championship head coach. He was a player too. But I think you're going to be definitely missing something when you get rid of guys like Van Gunny and Mark Jackson because they bring a different perspective to play calling or broadcasting. Yeah, and I mean, literally everything you said I agree with too. And I mean, like, for those that aren't big-time NBA fans and just, like, listeners to the pod, you know, like, again, you get, the, the reason why it's such a big deal is because those guys have been – on the air for such a long time, specifically paired together with yeah. Mike Breen. Like it was, they've called countless of our, you know, greatest NBA moments, you know, uh, throughout just regular season and the playoffs, especially the finals. So it's just <laughs> like, you know, they were, I believe that was them too for the game six, Miami. Uh, I believe that was them. It could have, I could be wrong on that. But I know they were definitely there for a lot of our favorite finals of uh, shot, big moments, big shots. Um, but then even with ESPN now, it just made me wonder, like, should we be concerned? <laughs> because Oh, yeah, that's where I'm at. Like, especially who they getting rid of. Like, is everything okay? Like, yeah, yeah. Sean, Jay Rose, some of these names they're getting rid of, too. I don't understand. And some, no offense to some of the guys they kept, but, like, who? When I see some of these guys on ESPN, I'm like, who? Harry. Man, Harry I'll say Harris? it. They kept Kendrick <laughs> Perkins. They kept Kendrick freaking Perkins. Yeah, over he should Mark Jackson and Jeff Van Gundy, bro. I'm sick. If yeah, Kendrick Perkins. Here, go, oh, ahead, go, go ahead. ahead. No, no, you got it, bro. You got it. I was going to say, like, to your point, like, I got nothing against Kendrick Perkins, but if I'm trying to learn about basketball, that's not who I'm trying to listen to. Like, I'm trying to listen to Jay Rose instead of Kendrick Perkins. Like, I'll give you one take that made no sense to me that Kendrick Perkins <laughs> brought up, and he brought race into the NBA MVP oh. debate. <laughs> that's when I was like, all right, this is just clickbait now. So like if and you he did it to JJ Reddick at that yeah, of all people like JJ for these new guys I think JJ is perfect because JJ is a player and he speaks both sides but Kendrick Perkins no offense but like that's one guy they got to send back to like the NBA media and like train him a little bit more because the Man. stuff you just say like 
I feel like people are watching and be like, nah, this dude is just on here for comedy, not like actual substance. No, literally. I mean, because that NBA Today show, I mean, he's just the butt of every joke. Like, his takes are terrible. He he has skits in the show now. Like, the man's like an investigator, and he has shades on. And I'm like, bro, what are we, like, that's why, like, I remember we were speaking with our friend Tristan one time, and he was like, man, I just love NFL Live so much more. And we got yeah, into that cool. whole conversation of how they actually break down the game and actually have an analysis on what's going on. Like NBA Today, the the best that they can do is when they bring on current players or even former ones, they'll have them go over to that little side court. The board. And they just there. run through, like, they run through <laughs> and O's. that they can't even, like, tell you about because they're like, these are our plays, bro. So it's like, we ain't giving up exactly what we do. You. Bro, it's just, yeah, it's, it's just a really – like, I used to like that show, and it used to get me through the work day. But now I'm like, I yeah. really just don't Especially like that Especially when show. it was The Jump. When it was the NBA The Jump a few years ago. Dang, I think she right. used to have, it was Rachel Nichols, Matt Barnes, like, T-Mac would be on there. Like, guys who actually talked the game. I know it was some other stuff with Rachel Nichols. But, like, when it was The Jump, <laughs> <laughs> it, when it was The Jump, though, that's when I felt like it was really, like, content about basketball, not just for, like, uh, going viral and just trending it was actually like trying to teach people like what's going on yeah they're they're trying to be too trendy on the show and i guess this wasn't to be i mean we are talking about espn but so like i mean i don't know they're just trying to be too trendy on the show but actually today uh the new signing of richard sherman to undisputed what do you think about that i didn't see that but i am absolutely shocked by that because i remember like maybe 10 to 12 years ago, Richard Sherman and Skip Bayless just went at each other live on TV. Like that was one of the biggest sports moments of all time. And Richard Sherman just called out Skip. Um, but honestly, man, Richard Sherman, a Stanford grad, Super Bowl, I think two times Super man, Bowl. Man, smart. He's, he's like Ivy. He's a genius. And he could, yeah. he's eloquent and he knows football. Um, so I, if, if that show is going to be trending more towards football, I feel like there's no better person, especially from um, the defensive side to talk to. Uh, I think that's a good signing. I will miss Shannon Sharp for sure just because of the personality. But if anybody's going to do a great job, I feel like Sherm is going to be a guy that can step up to the plate. I, I did not know yeah. that. That's news that I did yeah, not know. Yeah, it just happened like a couple hours ago. So okay. you're not, yeah, it, you're definitely not behind. It's just, I, I caught it when we were getting ready to record. <laughs> and the thing with Richard Sherman, too, is that, like you said, he's eloquent. But I can't wait for him to just beat him with logic. Like myself oh, being an attorney, like, I love just seeing someone's yeah. argument just get made completely a mess up. And then it's just, oh, like, so you're telling me you do this, you would do this, but when they do it, it's just so stupid. Uh, and Skip yeah. is the worst at that, where he's all off of emotion and feelings. No, no facts. And no facts at all. Shannon was great because he was just, he was just smarter than Skip as far as uh, culturally. Like, he just understood yeah. the players more. He understood how they and think. He was unbiased. He's and, unbiased. And he's unbiased. So that, well, LeBron. He, yeah, he, okay. He, he's 99% <laughs> unbiased. <laughs> 99%. Show up with a goat, with a goat mask on, bro. <laughs> okay, yeah. Not fully biased. <laughs> no, yeah. But, no, but he definitely was unbiased as you can possibly get. But it was just like he would be skipped down that way. I can't wait for Richard Sherman to just beat him down with oh. just. Just wit. Just wit. <laughs> because they think these football players ain't smart, man. They think these athletes aren't smart just because they're athletes. Dude, you and... know how smart you got to be to play professionally? Like, it's not, especially when you're older and Richard Sherman is, like, or he was. After he tore his Achilles, he wasn't the same cornerback. He had to use his mind and all that. So these guys are not, like, dumb by right. any means. No, and, and they're showing it. They're showing it in their podcasts. I mean, J.J. Reddick. Yeah. He's one of the, the smartest people yeah. I've heard on the airwaves. At, at new, news media, any media. <laughs> like, this dude, yeah. like, he just, he understands numbers. He understands analytics. 
he understands like the what it means to be an athlete obviously the nose, like, like all yeah. the, the bulletin board like the whiteboard the plays like yep. jj is pretty much like the full package as far as like what you want and somebody in the media like forget the fact that he actually played he just like understands the psyche of both sides right and but when, when i talk about logic too he gives Stephen a that work oh. too on um, first take yeah yeah <laughs> And he beats him down with logic to the point where Stephen A has to start deflecting and yeah. being like, you know, right, let's let's start making a joke. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I can't wait for that. I love the the new media, as Draymond put it. I love that these players are all uh, making podcasts and just telling us their stories. My favorite one right now, bro, Lou or not Lou Williams, uh, Jeff Teague. Oh Jeff my, Teague that's the funniest podcast right now. <laughs> Bro, his episode with PJ Tucker had me dying for like two hours, bro. The story of uh, when Lance Stevenson made the layup at the end of the game, <laughs> and then Demar and PJ got mad. That Jeff Teague is the best storyteller since Shakespeare. Like, <laughs> they said he hasn't had one positive story about the league since he retired. <laughs> Dude, yeah, I love this pod, man. I, I really like all of them. Uh, I, I'm starting to warm up to uh, to Paul George's. I don't know what it was about Paul George's podcast that I just didn't, like, take on. To, I didn't attach to. I think it was the the one dude with the glasses. Actually, it, it's his co-hosts. His I, get, co-hosts I was going to say, I give you two. Paul George, he, he kind of corny when he be talking because he be kind of sneak dissing other people. And then two mm-hmm. – why is the dude um, from ATL, Jackie Long, why is that your co-host? Like, J- Dang. Bro, like, why, why did I why? not realize that that was dude? No. Like, you got Picasso <laughs> in your house. That's your co-host? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And um, he's still trying to be funny, too. Like, he, Yeah, he's not funny. His analysis on sports, even when he asks questions, like, it, it don't make any sense. So I'm like, if Paul George – now, let's say Paul George is doing a podcast with, like, Montrez Harrell or like some of his old Clipper teammates or even like he was doing a podcast with say like Roy Hibbert anybody else but Jack like somebody who we play with I would take it but this dude had nothing to do with basketball like he tried to be funny so I I, I feel you on that because I'm still in a phase like do I like this do I not yeah. like I, it depends on who the guest is honestly that's, that's true I'm- same same and it's like I don't know. Everything you said is, is the same feeling for me, bro. And it's just, I and it's the fact is that they're the number one, well, considered the number one like NBA pod right now. And I'm just like, dude, JJ Reddick's podcast is the but JJ best, Draymond. Bro. Draymond's is fire. Draymond's is fire when he's playing. Yeah, yeah, he, he yeah, he's <laughs> another one. You know, he kind of corny yeah. to talk a little bit more. What you <laughs> yeah, what you not, think about the Pat Beth podcast? You ever check it out? I've listened to maybe two episodes. Um, you talk about sneak dissing. That dude don't sneak nothing. He just dissing. Nah. <laughs> he, he, at, he, he direct mentions everybody. Yeah. He put names on it, stand on it. Yeah, I think I don't listen to his as much is because what we were talking about was bias. Like, he's very biased in his opinions. I think um, he put it on display when he would show, show up for first take. And although First Take isn't, like, you know, the best show for unbiased opinions, but, you know, you have – Pat Bev was up there talking crazy about Chris Crazy Paul. about a Hall crazy. of <laughs> and then And then all of a sudden, he's giving all the love to James Harden. Neither one of them have accomplished anything. They both accomplished the same amount of things, except James has the MVP. Other than that – That's about it. Resume is damn near the same. Yeah, so I was that kind of turned me off when I heard him up there on first take, and then now that he has a podcast, I'm like, oh, I wasn't that fond of him anyway. Yeah. But yeah, I, I'll give it another try. You, you listen to it often? Um, I was going to ask you because I was one of the people like early on, I couldn't listen to it because I think Pat Bev. I ain't gonna lie, I think he like lies about a lot of stuff on the podcast. Like, <laughs> yeah. He's like he said James Harden was the first person he's seen like change the game. He said Carl Anthony Towns is the best big man in the game. Then he said their run in Minnesota of winning the play oh, better than the Nuggets. Yeah. So when he started saying stuff like that, I said, Ain't no value coming out of this, man. It's funny, <laughs> but I ain't trying to listen to this. <laughs> facts. <laughs> That's facts. Yeah. It's funny. I I'm looking up at my TV and this uh 
Paul George dropped a new episode with Clay Thompson today, so I might check that out. I might, I'm, see, I might peep because it's Clay. <laughs> yeah, I might check that out. I'm not the biggest Clay fan, but like, I know he probably got some background story on stuff. Probably so. got some stories. Mm-hmm. But um, shoot. All right, let's get to it. The main, <laughs> the main conversation yeah. with Dame Lillard, man. Nothing has changed. So just an update for the, just an update for those. Nothing has changed at all. We're we're in the same boat. Dave Dave still is in with Portland right yeah. now, and you know we at this point he's gonna end up reporting to training camp, and you know I just don't understand what's going on. But at the same time, there was a, a memo that was uh, released by Adam Silver in the league, uh, pretty much. Saying that they've spoken with Damian Lillard because of his uh, himself and his agent's recent comments about him exclusively wanting to go to Miami if traded. But also, I think the worst part of it was saying that if he goes somewhere else, he ain't going to play hard or he ain't going to fulfill what he's essentially obligated to do by his contract. So that was the part where I was like, See, I'll see. I'll just say what I thought first. Let's just when because we talked about this before, and I was like, I don't mind the fact. Well, obviously, as a Heat fan, I don't <laughs> mind the fact that he's like, oh, I just want to go to Miami. <laughs> and honestly, he can say that contractually. He can say that, and it's not going to be no issue. Right. Where he where he messed up was saying that last part, and and, and it, it allegedly saying the last part because <laughs> then they came out uh, denying it. After this uh, memo came out, they denied the agent and Dane saying that they said any of this stuff, that he would go anywhere and fulfill his obligations. I think that that was a call made by the league telling them, like, yeah, you should probably recant that statement, buddy. Yeah, take that. You know? Yeah, I don't think that. I think they definitely were saying that and then realized they were being a little too aggressive. And Mm -hmm. then the league was like, you need to relax. And they're like, my bad, bro. My bad. Gotcha, gotcha, big dog. Um, but yeah, what what do you make of this whole memo, this whole Damian Lillard mess, man? Um, much to your point, like I think it's okay to only want to go to one team. And if I'm being honest, like I'm a Bucks fan, obviously, and I'm we're in, like the Milwaukee like market, and I think it makes sense for Dame to go to Miami. Like to me, after seeing what they needed in the finals, it makes perfect sense. It's okay to like think that. But for his agent to come out and say it out loud, like, hey, we only going to Miami. If you trade for us, we're not showing up. That's basically <laughs> like trying to tank and control the market for Dame. Like, they're trying to shrink the market to one team. Basically saying, like, if you give up assets for Dame, it's a bad trade for you. So I feel like the league is saying, hey, man, like, without a no-trade clause, you can't really say that. Like, we we all know how business is done, and we're pretty sure, like, there's, like, things in the works but to come out and publicly say, like, if anybody else trades for you, then you're not going to show up. I think the league is like, we just signed a new CBA. Like, ownership has been through a lot the last four years with guys kind of holding out. So we're trying to avoid, like, it getting even messier. I think, like, the agent – I think the agent just messed up. Like, don't come out with that statement. It's okay to think it and probably, like, let Miami know, like, this is where we're at. And other teams behind closed doors – like, hey, like, Philly, you can do what you want to do, but they won't be happy. It's okay to say that kind of the negotiation side, but when it's public knowledge, then it's just the optics and then, like, the the look of it is kind of, I mean, off-putting. So I think Adam Silver had to step in and say, like, hey, like, if you don't report and do your job for a team that trades for you, you know, we can't have that, especially when you come out publicly saying, like, this is the way it's going to be. So I just think it's optics at this point. Yeah, and 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 I agree. It, they had to they had to stop the slippery slope, the league, because this this could have been a dangerous game yeah. if they allowed this to happen. And because they, I mean, like you said, tanking's already an issue. Um, it's always been an issue. But then you have also have um, what what did they hit Miami with with Kyle Lowry? I forgot. Oh, the name. they uh, uh, fine took a draft pick too, or something like that. Yeah, but like the whole Kyle Lowry situation yeah. when like you know, we were speaking to him and we weren't supposed to speak to him and all this stuff. Like, they, they already have all these other issues going on with the league. This would have just been another one uh, compounding on the problems that they already have with this being a player's league, uh, mm-hmm. essentially. 
And, you know, especially with players of Dame's stature, stature uh, requesting for trades, um, do you have an yeah. issue with these star players requested trades as much as they've been doing in the last, like, five, six years? Yeah, I think when we see it as often as we do, it kind of, like, makes – and it's like the old head argument. Like, these guys look like divas in some people's minds, especially, like – and I'll put it to you this way. They only request out after they sign the big deals. Yeah. Like no one is saying like, I don't want the Supermax trade me now. I want to win. It's always one or two years after they sign a large deal. They want to leave. Like, um, and they always do it with like two or three years left on the deal. KD re-signed and then had four or five years left, but requested a trade. AD, he requested a trade four years ago, had like two years left. Now Dame has maybe three years left. I think they always sign first and then like want to leave after. I think if the timing is different and like you're a free agent, obviously it's easier to leave. But I think when you get the money and then you want to leave, it always just kind of looks bad. And they end up actually getting their way because you don't want a disgruntled superstar on your team. That kind of just throws off the locker. You see what James Harden did in Houston. My man literally like showed up to camp out of shape on purpose, was mm-hmm. going to clubs instead of showing up to practice um, <clears throat> with the pandemic going on. So I think guys, it's just becoming too common though. And I think basketball is the only sport where this happens. Like this, I don't see it in baseball, football, you get like holdouts, but you don't get guys like legit saying, I want to leave. So I think basketball is where this is like, it happens every year, but I think guys have to like, change up the time and like don't sign an extension and then say all right just kidding I'm like I'm not committed you know yeah I yeah I agree I think it's starting to become a real real issue now um even though I want Dame to be in Miami obviously um especially not only because of the need that we needed last year like you know we lost players that now we have to get him like if we don't get him then we're not gonna be good at all um, no matter how much we have of this heat culture, like we are not going to get back. there. <laughs> so for me, I, that's really the big reason why I'm like, we need to just figure this out with Dame. Um, obviously we can't really speak to him at all because we haven't been given permission to one right. and two, he's not a free agent. So it's just like, that's the rules. That's how it goes. And I think with Dame, you know, like you said earlier, it's okay that he wants to play for this one team. Um, and, and I think I look at it in a different light just because, like, he he signed this Supermax deal. And I think that – I think the Supermax deals are starting to bite the NBA in the ass a little bit. Yep. They, yep. they they rolled it out, like, what, five years ago? Maybe longer? I think um, it was after KD signed with Golden State. Yeah, yeah. So, the yeah, guys like about stay with their teams. seven years ago, yeah. And, um, yeah, that might have been. Yeah, 2016. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, it, it, like, I think it's just starting to bite them in the ass because they, they were so scared about what KD did. Right. They didn't realize that now these players are going to be able to get a bigger bag and still do what they're Literally. doing. They thought this was going <laughs> to stop it. It's not stopping anything. I think um, with AD – I. So with AD was interesting because KD, what AD, KD, all these AD, dudes. Yep. So AD. with Kevin Durant, like he signed an extension, was locked in, but still was able to go to uh, Phoenix. So even with this whole situation, he was still <laughs> able to bypass it. And it goes to show that the players still have all the power. As much as the league was trying to get, trying to make it uh, balanced, it didn't work. And with Anthony Davis. Um, what from what I remember when he was uh with New Orleans, he was eligible for a contract extension. Um, and like you were saying earlier, like so, so I couldn't remember if he signed it or not. But um, that next summer he was allowed to be a free agent, right? But I mean, I so. that, well, he would have been able to. Um, until yeah. that trade happened, and they were having a disgruntled superstar, which is what Dame is about to be. And that's when the Lakers had that crazy trade, which we thought was crazy at the time, where they just sent off everybody to New Orleans and, like, sixth graders at the time (laughs) to New Orleans. Um, And it was the same thing with Kawhi, right? With with, uh, San Antonio to uh, the Clippers. Or, no, to Toronto. To Toronto, Um, yep. 
you know, he, he, he didn't sign uh, the, or he was going to go into free agency, but they were like, look, we just need to make sure that we keep this dude. Um, well, they tried to keep him and then he ended up being a free agent anyway, but they were, they wanted to make sure that they retained him in uh, San Antonio. They, that didn't work out. He had a disgruntled star. They ended up getting him out of there and then he goes to Toronto and then they're like, well, yep. at least we'll have him for a year. Yeah. And he got a rental. Yeah. yeah, and then he ended up being a free agent. And they were like, "Thank you for your service." Like yeah. that never, that's never gonna happen again. Yeah, ever for um, a star of that caliber. <laughs> no, like a but, rental. No, literally a rental. But is this? Yeah, I don't know. The supermax deals. I think they're kind of just they're just not working for the league. And I mean that. Go, that being said. It ain't gonna stop the salary cap going up, and it ain't gonna stop the no. money that these players are gonna make, which is what we've been talking about this whole time. Uh, there's definitely money to be made, but yeah, I, I I agree with the league on this one. They had to nip it in the butt. Um, this Damian Lillard request. Um, Do you think he ends up in Miami? Do you think he gets there? I think we I think we still get him. I think we still get him. Okay. And, and as unbiased as I could try to be, because. Yeah. I understand that, you know, now with this being said, everyone is a player again. Um, but I think we're going to really find out who's really about it. Because uh, right now, Miami's the only deal on the table. Yeah. And you're not – this dude, how many years does he have left on his contract? Like four? Yeah, three or three four. Or four. Like, yeah. So it's like you're not going to have the dude sit the rest of that contract, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Or you're not going to try you're not going to just have this disgruntled star who clearly doesn't want to be there play out the rest of that contract. If Miami ends up being the last ones on that table by the time like training camp rolls around, I think they kind of just have to go with it even if Miami isn't the greatest deal in the mm-hmm. world and not saying and it's not even like the worst deal either, but it's just they got to take something. They got to get something back for him. And we're going we're gonna to throw everything we can at him to get him, uh, besides our main guys and Jimmy and Bam, obviously. But, you know, it seems like everyone else is fair game for Miami. Yeah, man. I, I, I'm with you. I think they get him. I think, like, it's not – because it's been damn near a month and some change since he requested the trade right after mm-hmm. draft night. Um, <laughs> I think – Miami gets them. I just think like, is there a third team that gets involved, or is like, is there something that we don't know? But I just can't see Portland being cool with Dane being around the scoot, starting off his career with that kind of vibe. Like, wouldn't you rather just start fresh and let you? Dame has been there for a decade and some change. Like, he deserves his time to move on, and the team deserves his time. But you don't want to do that with like a cloud over your franchise because I just right. that doesn't work out for both parties. Yeah, no, I, and that's that's a good point. Yeah, I mean, if you're trying to start off with this new franchise type player in Scoot that they believe he's gonna be their star franchise player, you know, you do not want to have like bad vibes going into training camp, and you know, Dame Dame is a real one though. Like, I don't think Dame's gonna go in there. He understands that this is a young dude that's just trying to trying to feed right. his family, just trying to make his way, like trying to get to that second contract. Because the first contract, even though he's number two pick, going to be nice. But that that second contract, <laughs> like, that's the money. That's, that's, that's the, the money. generational wealth. So I think Dame is – if Dame's going to be there, he's going to make the best of the situation. Um, you know, but I, I don't see – I just don't see him staying, man. I mean, they drafted a dude that reportedly Dame did, like he didn't want them to draft. Uh, a two guard. They they didn't want them to draft it at all. He wanted them to trade it. He wanted them to trade that pick, yeah. And and they went against his wishes there. Uh, they're going against his wishes now. You said what? I said they drafted Scoot, re-signed Jeremy Grant. Like oh they, yeah, right that and was left. Crazy. They, that they was, was crazy. my boy with them Bud Crawfords, right and left. <laughs> Man, nah, bro. It, it's. Yeah, it's just getting sad out there in Brooklyn. And I and the the theme I've been using every time on this pod that we talk about this is that I just think Portland's being insanely selfish with this dude. Like this is yeah. like I he needs the Russell Westbrook treatment. I'm going to say it every episode. Like he deserves the Russell Westbrook treatment with what OKC and Sam Presti gave to Russ. They 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 worked with him. 
even if it wasn't the the greatest deal. But that's what Sam Presti yeah. was able oh, to just make it work out. Right? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah, and, and he, he wanted and to he, play with James, and they gave exactly, it to him. and yeah. they gave it to him. And he, he he requested a leave, and OKC beloved him. He was there for the community. Everything that Russ and now was look to at OKC, him. OKC is thriving now. Like they exactly. got the nice. <laughs> but they also got Sam Presti. That dude, True. I don't even dude in Portland. He, nah, he he's ain't clearly it. not. Yeah, he ain't Sam Presti, bro. He can't. Mm-hmm. He clearly don't got the pull to make it work like that. But I think uh, I agree with you too. I think another team is gonna have to. They're gonna have to get involved. Especially if um, Dame's trying to get to Miami, especially if Portland is allow is gonna allow that to happen, they're they're not gonna make it happen unless someone else gets involved. I feel too. So, but yeah, bro, it's gonna be interesting. Can't wait for this yeah, next I season. Yeah, I gotta see what happens. Man, we are gonna be out at some of these Bucks games, I'm sure. Absolutely. But um, appreciate you being on the pod today, bro. This is a good one. I have fun doing it. Thank yes, you sir. Anytime. Thanks for having me, man. Yes, sir. All right, y'all. This is episode 18. Appreciate y'all.